0: God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for this book. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. Thank you for what it shows us. Thank you for prayer, God, that we can come into your throne room. It's amazing that you'd be mindful. Thank you for the answered prayers. Thank you, God, that even when we read down that prayer request, that many have been on there for a while, the majority of them are better now, God. You've stepped in. You've intervened. You've done things there to make them better, Father, for these new ones that that have just entered the prayer list, God, and even... Um, Lord, for Cherie's uncle, that's not a, a new problem, but it's a new prayer request, God. We bring it to you now and ask, her, ask you, Father, would you intervene there? And Lord, I just pray you touch each of these, Lord. I pray you'd be with the families of the sick, Lord. I pray your grace would hold them up. Your peace would be with them. God, I pray you'd be with those of us in here tonight, Father. I pray you'd just give us something from heaven, something from your word, God, from this precious book. I pray you'd give us something that would help us to walk out, God. Lord, not just able to serve you better, but but more confident in, in how much you walk with us. God, we love you. You've been good to us, Father. I just want to tell you thank you. and want to give you all the praise. Lord, pray to everything that we do tonight, bring glory and honor to you in your name. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Acts chapter 12, if you want to turn there, you know, in chapter 11, we finished up last week, and basically there for a few verses, the church is doing pretty good. God sent some people all the way up to Antioch, so you've got a couple hundred mile trip, and Remember the people from Cyrene and they, they've gone there and they've preached and it says that a multitude of souls are being saved and word has traveled back to Jerusalem and like things are going good. And then if you remember Agabus the prophet come in and prophesied that there's going to be this great famine is going to come. And in the very next verse it says in verse 28 that it came to pass in the days of of claudius caesar so we go from this time of the church doing well and and people coming to know the lord there at the end of chapter 11 and it's doing great at antioch and the gentiles are all being saved in multitude and then all of a sudden we turn to chapter 12 and we see this new persecution rises up against the church it says in verse number one that about that time herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church and killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, because he saw it pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. When he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. When Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. The keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. A light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. What a story, right? It's the power of God through the power of prayer through his people. This Herod, he... Luke calls him Herod the king right here. This is actually Herod Agrippa. This is the grandson of Herod the great. So just so that we kind of understand who we're dealing with here that has just killed James and is about to kill Peter and understand who this person is, he is the grandson of Herod the great. If you know much about Herod the Great, you know that he not only killed one of his wives, but he also killed some of his sons, one of of which was Aristobulus, would have been this Herod's father. So he killed his, his own son, this Herod's father, and his mother sent him away to Rome to try to protect him from his own grandfather. Herod the Great was so... Somebody knows the word, I just can't think of it. He was so paranoid about losing this throne, he was so paranoid about losing his power that anybody that did anything to cause any question to think they might be trying to take his power, he just had them killed. Now, he didn't have them killed privately. He didn't have them knocked off secretly. He brought them into the street and had them executed for everybody to see because he didn't want anybody to come up and question against the things what he was doing. He's obviously the one who issued the decree, right, that went out to kill all of the Jewish-born males because he'd heard about this Jesus of Nazareth, this one that's born to be king of the Jews. He's like, oh, no, he's not growing up around here. He might get mine. So he's the one that put out the decree to have Jesus killed. So this is the family line. That would have been the grandfather of the Herod that we're dealing with here. Now we're down to, to Herod Agrippa. Herod Agrippa is the one. He's killed James, and he's about to kill Peter the same way. He, he does things like his grandfather. You understand if he just wanted to kill Peter, Peter's already dead, right? I mean, he's got him arrested. He's got him there with the four quaternions of soldiers. He's got him in the prison. All he's got to do is kill him. But that's not his purpose. He, want, he wants to bring him in with the Jews. See, Herod loves the applause of the people. He, he loves for people to, to love him and think he, he likes to... Flex his power, make himself feel important, so his plan is to bring Peter out on the street and execute Peter in front of every. I mean, they loved it when he killed James, so now he wants to really get this big applause. He wants to to get in I mean obviously the the Jews that he has sided with is the Pharisees, he sided with the religious leaders, he sided with the ones who, who tried to get rid of Jesus, and now they're trying to get rid of this this Christian bunch so so now he's killed. James, the, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, the ones that their mom came to Jesus and said, would you grant that my sons sit on your right and on your left when you come into your kingdom? And if you remember, Jesus says, I, I, can't, I can't promise you that. He said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 22, he said, you know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? Baptized with? And they said unto him, We are able, bad answer. He saith unto them, ye shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them for whom is prepared of of my father. So James is the first of the apostles to be martyred. John is the last of the apostles to be martyred. So what we see, they did indeed drink of that cup. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also, then were the days of unleavened bread. Now, that's not just a statement uh, about Herod and and his desire to, to be popular. That is a definitive statement about the position of the Jews. They have formally rejected Jesus Christ the the Jews as a nation as a whole the Sanhedrin the council the synagogue they have formally rejected Jesus Christ and now they are formally rejecting they've already formally rejected the Holy Spirit who came there and the church started and they are formally rejecting anyone who follows Christ so he has arrested Peter which you think the Jews would have been ecstatic about James is killed. You had not heard as, as much about him. Peter, I guess, would be at this time considered to be the ringleader, right? I think we can pretty well assume that. He's he's probably the, the highest at the church at this point. You hear more about him. He's the one they send out. So the Jews have got to be ecstatic about what's going on. It says there that that was the days of, of leavened bread, um, the days of unleavened bread. All of this is in conjunction with, with the passover the jews were required to get all of the leaven out of their home they were to deep clean their home remember leaven is a picture of sin right anything in in the bible leaven is a picture of sin and a little leaven does what spoils the whole lump there can be no leaven in so they had to deep clean their house it all started with the passover and then you have this week-long feast of, of eating unleavened bread so Herod's intention here is to keep Peter in prison, and they're going to do all of their time-honored traditions. I realize that those were the commandments. Those were the oracles of God, but those have been fulfilled. Christ has come. The Messiah that was prophesied in the old. When those oracles, when those commandments were given, they were given with the fact that a Messiah is coming to deliver the Jewish people, and Jesus has come, but they're still holding on to the old. So here they're going through all their, their traditions there, and, he makes sure that this guy, Peter, ain't going to escape. He's not getting out of this prison, and there ain't no group of Jews coming to get him out. He's very well protected. It says that when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers. That's 16 soldiers to keep him intended after Easter to bring him forth to the people. So you got 16 armed soldiers, not just 16 men, but probably 16 of the choicest soldiers, probably 16 soldiers. Of his best I would imagine that he puts them there and if that's not enough he's chained to two of them so you got these shackles on your wrist chained to them shackles on your ankles you got a guard on both sides that you're chained to you got 16 there guarding it and you're based you're you're put into the deepest part of the prison behind the second ward basically maximum security cell so you're not going anywhere verse number five says Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer. But prayer. See, that's the same word as but God. Y'all know my two favorite words in all the Bibles, but God. Charlie, Charlie Treadwell flatlined three times, but God. They 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 said there was some cancer there, but God. Michelle's been through a lot. John's got, how many, you got 18 stamps now? 18 stints John John's been through a lot but God um Mr. Norm done done some had some shingles and there's a lot of pain but God it doesn't matter what your situation is in life every every one of us in here is either going through something or we've been through something and it doesn't matter anything you look back in you can say this was going on and this was the turmoil in my life but God and that's what got me to here and you can look at what's going on in our life right now, that everything is bad and all, anything that's going on upside down, you say, but God has it all under control. But God changes everything. But prayer is the same thing because but prayer includes God in your situation. When He when says, hey, here's the deal, but prayer, that means but God was introduced. It's not that God didn't already know. God already knew what was going on in our life, Right. But prayer invited God. Remember, God moves on the hearts of men based on men. God doesn't force himself on us. He doesn't force anything on us. So when we talk to God, when we pray to God, and we bring our prayers to God, we are inviting God into our situation. But one of the greatest gifts that we have is we can go in and pray for others. We can go in and pray for the sick. We can go in and pray for families. We can go in and pray for for financial issues. We can pray for other people. We can go boldly into the throne room of grace and take somebody else's problem in there. And through prayer, we can include God in their problem. Isn't that awesome? When God wakes you up in the middle of the night and tells you to pray for somebody, it don't matter what's going on. You don't have to know anything. You don't have to get up and pray for four hours. Just make sure you pray for them because something's going on. I don't understand why. If I understood God, I'd be God. And I clearly ain't God, so I don't understand why God does what he does, but I know this for a fact. God sees somebody over here in trouble, something's going on, he wants to intervene. He comes over here, he wakes you up, and he says, pray for them. And when you pray for them, you invite God into their problem, then God goes back over here, and God intervenes in their problem, takes care of that, and gives you a reward for praying. Is that not crazy? I mean, is that not an awesome God? That, that does things that way so it says but prayer peter is there in prison but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto god for him see herod closed the gate clean got to the next one clean put the bolts in clean all the way through the second ward, changed clean but every every time herod closed the gate god was opening the gates of heaven God had some things already prepared. He's listening to the prayer. He's sitting there hearing, and and the church fell to their knees. They know what's happened to Peter. They already know what's happened to James. They already know what the plan is. I assure you, everything has been told about what's coming to Peter. He's going to be executed. So the church flooded the altars. The church, the, the children of God, went to their knees, and they began crying out, praying, On Peter's behalf. Now, the 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 word here, without ceasing. I'm gonna do my best with some of these Greek words. I'm gonna get them wrong. I'm gonna make a mess out of them. But you'll be able to understand that they're different words. That okay? Y'all don't mind if I jumble up some of this stuff, do you? These old these old these old Southern chords just can't do Greek. But I, I I just want you to see how the difference in the word. The one that is translated here to without ceasing. Best as I can tell, that would be. It, it is the parent word that Luke uses to describe when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was arrested. And it says that being in agony, he, he prayed more earnestly. Over here you got without ceasing. Over here you got earnestly. But but these are cousin words. These are, the, these are the same words, just once more in a plural form. And his sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The word there for earnestly, good, help me, Lord. The other one was ectines. This one is ectines, teron. So you got a little bit added on to the end. So what is basically telling us right here is the church is praying earnestly without ceasing somebody needs to listen now I'm gonna tell you something good praying earnestly fervently without ceasing that's the kind of prayer that makes chains fall off not just steel chains not not just these shackles not just these these, these things that we see here that's the kind of prayer that makes sickness chains fall off. Drug and alcohol abuse chains fall off. Marriage problems fall off. Financial problems fall off. See, the devil binds a lot of people with chains, and you can't see them. They're not physical chains. You can't hear them clanking, but they're bound by the things of the devil. This earnest, fervent, continual, won't-stop prayer is the kind of prayer that causes chains to fall off. It's the kind of prayer that moves heaven, and heaven moves mountains. Well, thank you, Lord. Verse number 6 says that when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Peter is scheduled to die tomorrow. Everybody knows it their streets are going to be packed with people the sanhedrin is going to have everybody out there because they want to make an example out of what happens to these christians if you want to step up and be like this guy this is what's going to happen to you. Herod's going to make a spectacle out of it because he wants to side with the Jews. He loves the applause. He wants everybody to love him. And he's learned that with the Jews, if he'll kill these Christians, then they'll love him. So you understand, everybody's going to be there. Some, one, are just going to want to be there and be a part of it. Some of them are mad at the Christians and mad at Peter and all that. But everybody else is going to be there because they don't want to get on Herod's bad side, right? I mean, all these to do is decide you looked at him wrong and you're a dead man. You become an example, so everybody is going to be there in the morning for this execution, except Peter. When you leave God out of the plan, you leave everything out of the plan. I want to look, as we're singing, as you're singing the song, it is well with my soul. I want to look at the peace of God in the storm. I want to look at the evidence. We sang that song Sunday, the evidence of God's goodness all over my life. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. Not in every day, not in every past situation, not in everything. When I look at my life, I see the evidence of God's goodness all over my life. Even in the middle of the storm. Even in the middle of the night. Even in the middle of the trial when there seemed to be no way out, there's evidence in my life of the goodness of God. And that's what we see here. Peter is set to die in the morning. I've already tried this, and I'll tell you, I couldn't do it. I tried. I've tried tried two or three times a day just to try to work myself into that kind of frenzy. Maybe you have a better imagination than me and you can pull this off. Try to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Just try to put yourself in Peter's position. All you've done is preach the gospel. All you've done is loved people. We tell people about Christ for one reason and one reason only. If we don't even have to know them, we love them. Because God loves them, and the Holy Spirit lives in us, and that makes us love people, and we don't want them to go to hell. So so we love people. Honestly, Christ loved us without a cause, and we love people the same. We love people without a cause. We don't want them to die and go to hell. So all we do is tell them the truth. Peter's just been telling the truth. Souls have been getting saved. All he's doing is tell them about Jesus, and he's going to die tomorrow morning. He's chained to these guards. you got 16 around. You're not getting out of this. I mean, I don't know, MacGyver might have, but that's a lot of help of Hollywood, right? So, so here he is in, in this innermost maximum security cell behind the second ward, and, and in the morning you're going to be executed. What do you do? Put yourself in that position. What do you do? I mean, do you pray? God, there's got to be a way to get me out of this. I can kind of look around, I can go ahead and tell you I'll be praying it, but I ain't got a lot of hope in it looking at what i'm looking at more more than likely probably you're trying to think of every sin you ever even thought about to make sure they're all covered under the blood so they no guilty stains when we stand for jesus right going over make confession of everything if not the one thing i'm pretty certain now there's no way to put myself in that position i've tried it the one thing i am positive that i'm not doing is sleeping i don't know what i'm doing but it ain't sleeping Can't be biting my nails because I'm chained up. So I, I may be nervous, sitting there sick. But one thing I'm positive that I'm not doing is sleeping. The text says that Peter's sleeping. I think you can credit that to two things. One, I think you can credit it to Peter walking that close to God. It shows us that you can walk that close with God. That even chained to guards, even in the innermost prison cell, knowing you're sentenced to die tomorrow morning and you have no earthly physical way out of it, there's a peace that will let you sleep in the midst of the storm. But I believe part of the other is that church right there praying. See, I believe when a family loses a loved one and we're here and we agree to pray together for them, we pray for God to hold that family up, I believe he will. I believe God walks through valleys with them. I believe that God's grace is sufficient according to the word of God. And I believe that when we pray that kind of power, that God does put that on those families. And that's why they can walk through the valleys they walk through. And we see it right here that they're praying for Peter. And I think it's got a lot to do with why he's laying there asleep. God has sent that peace that surpasseth all understanding. So Peter, he's said his prayer. He's done whatever he's done. Basically, he's handed it to God. what we need to learn how to do. Hand it to God and go to sleep. If you hand it to God, hand it to God. If you bring it to the altar and you give it to God, don't pick it up and take it back. Will you leave it there? If you give something to God, give it to God. If, if you've been trying to fix a situation, you happen to finally give it to God, don't lay awake at night in your mind trying to fix it. If you gave it to God, give it to God. Peter gave it to God, and he said, well, that's it. I give it to God. It's all in his hand now. Whatever happens, happens. And Peter goes to sleep, but the church. The church is up all night praying. See, that, that seems backwards to me. It seems like Peter would be the one up all night. I mean, if I'm the one getting killed, I'm thinking I'm the one going to be up praying. Then people at the church, I know they love me, and I know they're praying for me, but, you know, it's the middle of the night. They done got sleepy. They probably done fell asleep and might be on the altar. That's what you would think, but that's not the way it is. Peter's the one that's sleeping because the peace of God is with the one in the storm. The grace of God, the anointing of God is with the one that needs it. The people at the church, they're still frantic. Does that make sense? They're, they're still nervous. God's not giving them that anointing. They're not the one that needs it. God's not giving them that peace. They're not the one that needs it. They need to pray. God's giving it to the one that needs it, and that's the one that they're praying for. So, so they're praying for him. the angel of the Lord, it says, It came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. He smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell from his hands. I want to see, see what the peace of God truly looks like. How many of you know the Word of God is perfect, infallible? There is no error in the Word of God. God makes no mistakes. If the Holy Spirit chose to put a word in here, then it is exactly what he meant to say, right? Verse number 6, Peter is bound by chains, and he is kept in prison. I'm going to give my best shots again. The word for prison there is fulake. Fulake. I'm doing the best I can. Fulake is figurative that that means that that it can be it can be a place or it can be a condition so the word used there in chapter 6 is a condition Peter's being held in prison oh the devil's holding a lot of people in conditions today he's holding a lot of people in this day and time in this through lock a prison in a conditional prison it's their heart that's in prison it's their attitude that's in prison it's their emotions that's in prison they are bound by the things they can't have joy in their life because the devil was holding them down in this kind of prison but verse number seven it says in the presence of peter that a light shined in the prison same word right Eh, not same word that word Comes from the Greek, that word is okeima. It is a derivative of the word okeo, which means to reside or to dwell. Now, wait a minute. How many of you want your home to be in a prison cell? That, that's the word that's used to describe where Peter is at. It's used to describe your home, your dwelling place, the place where you find peace that's the word that's the greek word that's used there to describe this prison where peter is at that's what the holy spirit has made for peter he has made that prison cell a place of peace verse six says that he was held in a prison in a place of condition but verse seven says that the holy spirit has him in a place of peace he's going to be he's sitting there asleep in this situation, he says, whatever is going to be is going to be. It's not my problem. He said, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he went to sleep. And that's where the angel found him. Laying there asleep, chained between the guards, cold prison cell. Peter's so sound asleep, the dude has to poke him to wake him up. I mean, the angel, I wouldn't doubt that he didn't try speaking to him at first. Peter, Peter. Peter found it hey I mean it ain't like he's just dozed off he, he's out cold the word says that he smote him the word for smoke means to strike or or to smite so the angel had to, to poke him pretty good to, to wake him up but then something I really don't know why. I do believe that there's a reason for everything. God gives us everything for a reason. I tried reading some different commentaries. Nobody really even talks about it. Nobody mentioned it. So it's crazy when God gives you a thing and you start wondering why, and apparently nobody else crossed their mind because you can't find where anybody answers your question. You know what I'm talking about? So, so I, I, I'm looking at, as to why, but my question is, why, why quickly? Why? Why did it need to be in a hurry? Get, get up! Hurry up! Hurry up! Well, get up! Let's go. I mean, th- this is the angel. The angel can't be worried about the guards. I mean, he can. He can point his finger around and take all them out. So he can't be worried about them waking up. So, what's the hurry? Why? Why does the angel say, "Quick, quick! Get up! Get up! Let's go"? So, I was trying to study some words and 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 looking and. I can't tell you that I have an answer, but I do believe God gives us everything. Here's something that is true throughout all the Scriptures, Old Testament and New. If you can find something different, fine, point it out to me. I'll study some more. Angels never belabor their visits to men. Not once. Not once. Look in the Old Testament. Look any time they come. They come as appointed. They do what they're told. They leave. Angels do what God sends them to do, and He never they never belabor the task. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's an example for you and I. God gives us something to do. It doesn't take an hour of chit-chat on the front end or 45 minutes on the back end. Do what God said do and be done with it. We're not to belabor it around. If we truly want God's will to be done in us, then we get it done. One reason, we get it done and we move on because God may have something else for us to do. Another reason is if you go somewhere and you do something and it gives somebody some relief or whatever, God does something through you for it, and you stay too long, you'll find yourself getting thank yous that don't belong to you. You'll find yourself getting praise that belongs to God. You'll find people thanking you and loving you and saying, man, I just want to tell you, thank you so much. That don't belong to you. God sent us there to do it, and God gets all the praise. The angels don't take any chances. They come down, they do exactly what God says do, and then they go. So Peter does what the angel says, arise up quickly. His chains fell from off his hand. The angel said to him, Gird thyself up and bind on my sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true what was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second wars, so you see the depth of the prison that he's in, they came to the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and they passed through, passed through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. Peter, Peter's not even sure if this is happening yet. Peter's still thinking he's dreaming. Now, I couldn't put myself in Peter's position trying to think about I'm dying tomorrow morning. What would I be doing? But I can figure this one out pretty good. I mean, I I can understand an angel poked me in the rib. Shackles of steel on my wrists and ankles fell off and hit the concrete or whatever's there. And the guards don't even wake up and everybody's asleep, and an angel's telling me to get up and hurry up and let's go, and we're coming up on iron gates that are bolted shut, and the bolts are falling out, and the gates are swinging open by themselves. I can understand why he thought he was dreaming. That, that part I don't have a problem with. So he, he's still not really sure if, he, if he's dreaming or not. They walk out onto the street, and boom, the angel's gone. The angel came, no departing words, no instructions. The angel came. Get up, boy. Hurry up. Let's go. Out the door, gates open, walks in the street, angel's gone. The angel was not sent to give Peter instructions. The angel was not sent to talk to Peter or to tell Peter anything. Man, somebody needs to hear it. The angel was sent to answer the church's prayer to get Peter out of prison when he did exactly what God sent him to do, he left. That's the same way we're supposed to serve. You, you, hear me, you hear me say this a lot, and I say it an awful lot when I'm praying. God, help us to be in that place called the center of your perfect will. I don't want to be left. I don't want to be right. I want to be in the center. I say it a lot, and I say it when I'm praying. I want to pray for this church. I pray it all the time. God, help us to be exactly what you want us to be. Nothing more and nothing less. We want to be exactly what God wants us to be. If he sends you to get him out of prison, get him out of prison, walk them out in the street, and go on about your way. The angel did exactly what God sent him to do. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jews. So we see Peter's words directed here at Herod and at the Jews so what we can clearly see is that the Jews ain't changed nothing. They're using Herod's earthly power to try, try to get rid of these Christians, Christ followers, the same way they use Pilate's earthly powers to try and get rid of Christ himself. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose sure name was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Mary is the mother of John Mark. She's also the sister of Barnabas. Mary's house is basically the church there in the town, at least one of the gathering places where everybody comes is considered to be, it would be the location day that we would call the church, one of the main gathering places for Christians. So surely, if anybody's gonna be praying, if the apostles are gonna be gathered together anywhere, if there's a group of Christians that has gathered to pray for anything, that's where they're going to be, so Peter goes to Mary's house. Verse number 13, I'm glad we got here when we did because I really didn't want to cover this until next week anyway. This is a very critical passage. In the beginning of this, we, we saw the church gathered, right, and, and they're praying earnestly throughout all the night. The church is praying earnestly for Peter that God deliver him to go. So it looks like it ought to be a great picture of what the church ought to look like. Anybody agree with that? I mean, that's a great picture. If we we need God to do something to intervene, we should come together as a church and pray. And it looks like this incredible picture. And it even looks like they had to have been praying in fullness of faith and they had to have believed it because God wouldn't answer the prayers, right? So if they prayed it and and it was answered, then, then it had to have been in fullness of faith. But the next few verses show us that they were praying, but they were not expecting anybody anybody get that I I wonder how many of us is one of us in this room guilty of that I may have some company in here there may be somebody besides me that we've prayed but we we've, we've seen this cancer road too many times before I has been real I'm praying now, I don't have a doubt in my mind. God could think a thought from heaven, make it go away. and he could heal it. But I've been down this road too many times. I'm praying with the fullness of, of, of faith that God can heal what I'm praying for. But I don't have any expectation that he's going to because I've been down here too many times. I've seen him lay in this bed. I've seen my family lay in this bed too many times. I've seen them lay there with their mouth open unconscious too many times. I've watched their pulse come to nothing too many times. And God, I know you can. I'm I'm just trying to be real. I just want you to see this in this early church. They're praying, but they're not expecting. It says, as Peter knocked at the door of the gate in verse 13, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. They said unto her, thou art mad. She constantly affirmed that it was even so, and they said, it is his angel. They said, Herod done killed him. Here we are praying, and and Herod went ahead and killed him. Verse number five said that Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. The answer to their prayer is standing at the door, and they miss it. And they're not the only Christians to do it. Lord willing, we're going to pick up right there next week. I'm glad we ran out of time right there because I really wanted to wait until next week to even open that can of worms and take a look at it. But if you want to study something to help you, that's us to a T. That's us to a T. We pray and we ask God for a lot of stuff. How often do we pray But we really don't have great expectations? We ask. We we won't. and, And we try to believe. I'll go ahead and throw another one out there, and Lord willing, i get on next week. I know I'm guilty of it, that God has sent answers to my prayers, and I missed it. There's been times in my life that a year later, something would happen that would remind me of what I used to be praying about, and God so subtly fixed it that I never even realized he did it, and I've not even said thank you. We prayed for it, and we missed it. God, thank you so much. That you would be so patient, so kind, so loving, so generous. God, that we would pray and ask and you do things. And Lord, even when we miss it and we don't say thank you, you continue to listen to us. You continue to love us. You continue to meet with us. Your Holy Spirit continues to fill us and to guide us. God, thank you so much for being so good, God. Thank you for being this all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God that can do all things that we see in the Scripture. You weren't just that God then. You're our God now, Father. Thank you, God, that we know we have a God that can make chains fall off, all chains, not just steel chains, but can break down all walls, move all mountains, and put light in all valleys, and lead us beside still waters when we need it, God, that you are our God that can do all things, and you love us in spite of us. Thank you so much for being so good. We love you, Lord. We ask you to help us, Father, to be pleasing to you so that others might see Christ in us. Help us to be all you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.